You're about to hear a sermon from Han Vision Church in Lawrenceville, Georgia, delivered by Joe Song on our study on the Gospel according to Matthew. Thanks for listening to Han Vision. Um, yeah, my name's Clement. Uh, that's like Clementine without the "ein." In case you're like, how do you say that? Yeah. And um, I, yeah, I work for InterVarsity Christian Fellowship for the past eleven years. Um, my wife Vanya is here with me. You can welcome her. She's right there. <laughs> um, I've lived in Georgia for the past seven years, originally from North Carolina. And yeah, InterVarsity, we're, we're um, you can think of us in a lot of ways, but we basically are missionaries to the campus. We long to see students and faculty know who Jesus is. And so we do that through engaging the campus. Like we believe that, Jesus, that God loves the campus so much. So he calls people like me to go there and to meet with students and to teach them and to invite them to experience Jesus, whether they grew up in church their whole life or it's brand new to them. And the other thing that I do is I really want to empower students to be people that share their faith, that know how to articulate the gospel and contextualize it to the people around them. Um, and so that's what I've been doing for the last 11 years. And I'm my current role is I'm the... Um, regional coordinator for Asian American ministry. So this past 11 years, my heart's always been for Asian Americans to see the second, gener- second, third, whatever generation of Asian Americans come to know who Jesus is, um, to contextualize the gospel to them and to empower them to have a voice um, to share the gospel with those around them. And so what I do is I support other staff um, and their ministries on different campuses across the Southeast. and. I also organize conferences, and the other sort of other thing I've been doing, or how I spend my time is I go to UGA once a week. I live in Atlanta, and I, I go there because I'm starting a group there as well. Um, so that's a little bit about what I do. Um, I also spend a lot of time with this guy. You can show the next slide. This is my dog, Ernie. He's a Shiba Inu. Uh, and I know, you're like, but aren't they all like brown? I was like, no, they're black ones too, and they're cuter than the rest. Um, <laughs> he's seven years old. I don't have children because I don't have desire for them right now. Uh, and yeah, so that's a little bit about my life. Um, yeah, so I'm going to pray for us and then we'll, we'll get started. So, um, Jesus, we just, yeah, we thank you um, for this space. We thank you that we can be here. We just invite your spirit to be with us or help us to be present um, Lord, and attentive to the ways that you're speaking to us. Um, and Lord, I pray that we would hear your invitation for us this morning, Lord. Lord um, in whatever ways you're inviting us to take a next step towards you, um, towards those around us, Lord, would we hear, would we say yes to you in a new way this day? And pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So a question I have for you guys, and you can talk to your neighbors real quick, is like, when, the, when you hear evangelism, what comes to mind? Right? So... Talk to the person next to you. Get to know, you. You just hug them, so you can ask this question, right? So, yeah, what comes to mind? What good things, bad things, what, whatever? Yeah, and then I'll come. I'll bring us back.
I met you before? You look really familiar. Oh, no, no. What's your name? Lucy. Oh, oh that's okay. <laughs> I was like, you look familiar. I don't know. Anyway, we'll talk later. Yeah. All right, so, yeah, what comes to mind when you hear the word evangelism? And, you, you know, it's an it's a open space, so whatever, whatever came to mind. What do you guys hear? You can speak for your neighbor, too, if you don't want to give your answer. People on the streets? Talking about Jesus. All right, yeah. So, like, going up to strangers or even, like, holding signs, things like, is that? Any other images or... Things come to mind. Being awkward. <laughs> yes. Being awkward. Part of it, definitely. Stressful. Okay, yeah. You can feel like a burden or feel like I'm not sure how to do it, so maybe some stress comes along with it. Any other thoughts? Man, those lights up there. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyways, uh, sorry, they're just like, it's like a rave happening behind you guys, and you just don't know it. Um, so uh, I, I'm a little bit older. I grew up in Charlotte, North Carolina. You can go to the next slide. And there's this guy from Charlotte named Billy Graham. I don't know if you've heard of him. He's, he's like a well-known evangelist. Um, and that's sort of what in my, like, not necessarily my generation, actually probably your parents and grandparents' generation, when they thought of evangelism, they thought of this guy. They thought of Billy Graham packing out stadiums, amphitheaters, and sharing the gospel, inviting people to give their lives to Jesus, right? Um, and even like so that's some of my experience in, in church and youth group. Um, growing up in an immigrant church, like we would invite these pastors from, you know, from China or Taiwan, Hong Kong, right, to the church, and they would come and speak for like days, and we would call it a revival. And like that's that's who would come and do the work of evangelism. Um, there's also like part of my experience is like handing out gospel tracts, like handing out little pamphlets that are supposed to be like interesting um, or whatever, but really they're really corny, <laughs> like a million dollar bill talking. I don't, I don't never use this one, but it's just what the one that came up when I Googled it. But yeah, like handing this out as a way for me to like explain the gospel to someone or leaving it on their windshield or something like that. Right. Um, and so I think like, the way that I always thought about evangelism was it was something that someone else did. It was very impersonal. It was, in my mind, like I was out of the equation most of the time. But, you know, always the message out here at church or like the next thing, like really to like, like youth group or things like that was that somehow I was supposed to share my faith, right? That sharing my faith, sharing the gospel, the good news of who Jesus is and what he's done for us and what he's inviting us into um, is part of what it means to follow Jesus. Um, and actually, I do, I stand, like, now that I'm on the other side as a, you know, professional Christian, like, I believe that really firmly, right? That every follower, if we follow Jesus, like, we can be people that share the gospel. Like, he has given us all we need to do that. And I, I truly believe that sharing the gospel or doing the work of evangelism is a lot like all the other things that we do as we learn to follow Jesus, Right? Um, as we learn to forgive those around us, as we learn to honor our parents, as we learn to pray and spend time in scripture, 
it's like another thing that we do. Um, but it's actually the thing that I feel like is the most, feels like the most risky, right? When we think about the kingdom of God, it's like, if it's like this circle, it's the thing on the edge because it's butting up against the kingdom that isn't God's, right? And so it's the, it is the place that may, maybe we experience the most awkwardness or we experience the most friction. And it's often the place we avoid the most too because we don't want to be experiencing that. But actually, how does, how does the kingdom grow if we're not on the edge of the, that, right? If we're not butting up against the world um, and inviting people in to experience it. So I really want to challenge us that if we are part of God's kingdom, if we're followers of Jesus, we need to be about this, right? We need to be about seeing our neighbors, our coworkers, our friends and our family to see them come and to know Jesus. We need to be sharing the good news of the coming kingdom. So we're going to look at a story in the book of Mark, and I'm hoping that this will just sort of give us um, some fuel to help us take steps towards sharing the gospel with the world around us. Um, so a little bit of back, background. Um, Mark is one of the biography, biographies of Jesus. Uh, Mark, the way he writes, he's like the top 10 on Sports Center. Like he's, he's like hits all the highlights and he, he doesn't give much details. Um, and at Mark 6, the point in this, this point in the story, Jesus, he has his disciples. He has 12 guys that are following him and wanting to learn from him and be like him. And they've already experienced like pretty miraculous things, right? Like they've seeing Jesus do these miracles, cast out demons, heal sick people. Um, and right before this point, uh, they've just been sent out in pairs to go and to teach, to cast out demons themselves, to proclaim God's kingdom. And then Jesus gathers them. So I'm going to read this, and then we will keep going. Uh, so Mark 6, verses 30 to 44. Um, the apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all that they had done and taught. Then because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. But many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there <clears throat> ahead of them. When Jesus had landed, and saw a large crowd. He had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. By this time, it was late in the day. So his disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said, and it's already very late. Send the people away so that they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered, you give them something to eat. They said to him, that would take more than a half a year's wages are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? How many loaves do you have, he asked. Go and see. When they found out, they said, five and two fish. Then Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties. Taking the five loaves and the two fish he looked, and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to his disciples to distribute to all the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up the 12 basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. The number of men who had eaten was 5,000. This is the word of the Lord. So why I talk about this miracle of feeding the 5,000? Um, some of us are probably familiar with this story. Like, it's, it's a, like an easy one for the kids maybe. But I actually feel like this 
story is a, um, a really good analogy for just when Jesus gives us an impossible task, what do we do, <laughs> right? Um, for each of us, as we've been following Jesus, like some of us are younger, older, but I think we'll reach a point where Jesus invites us to do something, anything, and it'll just feel impossible, right? Like some of us in our addictions, like I don't know how I'm going to get over it, but I know Jesus wants me to get over it, right? To, to, be, to be past it, right? For some of us, it's like loving our enemies, loving ourselves. Um, but I think that for many of us, when we hear evangelism, like this is one of those things that just feels like impossible, right? Like, do I really have to share who Jesus is with my neighbor, with my classmate, with my parents, with my uncle? Uh, I even think about myself, right? I feel like I, through my journey, I felt like I just have, I have all the best excuses about why I'm not an evangelist or I shouldn't be the one responsible for evangelism, right? I'm, I'm an introvert. Uh, I'm a perfectionist. I want to be able to say and present, like, the gospel in a perfect way, and I want them to respond right away, right? Um, sometimes I fumble over my words, and I feel, like, self-conscious about that, too. Um, and I also want everyone to love me. I would never want to offend someone by sharing the gospel with them when they're not ready. Um, but what I've come to realize more and more is that if we avoid these hard things that Jesus invites us to do, we really miss out on the fullness of what it looks like to follow Jesus. Right? We miss out <clears throat> on knowing more of who Jesus is and his heart for us and the people around us. Right? I even want us to imagine, like, what if the disciples had quit? Right? What if they had said, 5,000 people, that's impossible, I'm going to go home now. Right? Um, it would be so sad. Like, we wouldn't have the stories that we have now. We wouldn't be here maybe even, like, potentially, like, these are the church fathers. These are the ones that were faithful to the Lord, and we are experiencing their faithfulness even by being in this room today, right? So what if they had said no, right? <clears throat> How different would our world be? But I believe that in this interaction with Jesus, it's just a really good reminder that Jesus invites us to do something, no matter how impossible it seems, he's the one that enables us to do it. Right? So let's look at this story a little more closely. So again, the disciples are, have come and they're tired and you know Jesus invites them to, to take a break. But then the crowds, they see Jesus and his disciples and they're like, that's Jesus. He, they heard about, he raised a dead girl back to life, right? He healed this leper. He cast out these demons. We want to go see what that's all about. We want to go and, and know more about Jesus. <clears throat> and so when Jesus saw them, he saw their, their running ahead of them. He saw this large crowd, and he had compassion upon them because <clears throat> they were like sheep without a shepherd, right? And so the, my first point is that every follower can confidently share the gospel by remembering Jesus' compassion for the lost, right? That even though the disciples, they had one idea in mind. They wanted to rest. They could care less about these people, probably, right? They're exhausted. I don't know if you've ever come back from, like, a, a mission trip or some sort of thing that just sort of wore you out. Um, but you're, you're not really thinking about anyone else, but you're thinking really just about yourself. Um, but Jesus, like, he's the one that has endless compassion upon those that are lost. He sees 
these men, women, children come running ahead, and he sees them as lost sheep, sheep without a shepherd, right? People without protection, care, without um, just needing leadership in their lives, right? And so I think that this is something that we need to remember about Jesus when he invites us to share the gospel, is that we need to understand his compassion on those around us, right? Do we look at our campus? Do we look at our school? Do we look at our, our workplace as, pe- as places full of people that need compassion? Or do we look at them as people that we just need to get along with and then go back to our safe place, right? And so ultimately, it isn't on us just to say, like, oh, I want to have compassion on them, or I pity them that they don't know Jesus, right? But we want to have Jesus' heart, right, to take action and to be compassionate to them, to share with them, to invite them to experience God's kingdom, to experience his leadership, to experience his protection as, their, as Jesus is their shepherd. Um, and the other truth is that he doesn't just have compassion on these people, like on the strangers that are, have come to hear from him. Jesus also has compassion on his disciples, right? Um, he has compassion for us as he invites us to follow him, to do what he asks us to do, right? Um, so it's getting late, and then the disciples are like, we should send everyone away, like a perfectly logical response. It's getting late. We don't have, like, trucks of bread or fish, like, ready to feed everyone, nor do we have the money or ability to, to pay for everything. Here's the logistical plan. Let's go send everyone away. And then Jesus gives them an impossible task, is you feed them, right? You give them something to eat. And then they, they respond, yeah, it's too expensive. How do we do this? And what Jesus gives asks them, I think, is a question of compassion upon them. He asked them, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they found out, they said five and two fish, right? I think this is compassion because he's not asking them to do anything extra or more that they, like, he asked what they have. And I think for us, when we think about evangelism or sharing the gospel, we're like, I don't have enough, maybe. Like, I don't think I have all the strategy or the right answers to questions. Maybe you have, you have doubts about your Bible knowledge, um, but I think when Jesus invites us, like, if we're followers of Jesus, I think that's, that's the starting place, and that's enough. And that he asks us, like, what do we have? Well, I have this much faith. Let Jesus use that. That's compassion upon you. And, yeah, maybe you can learn, and I think, like, you know, this is part of the goal as well is to, like, gain more skill, gain more knowledge. But he isn't telling the disciples, like, they don't have to manufacture this bread or like go bake it or find money or anything like that. He asks what they have and he has this profound compassion upon them, their abilities and their limits as well. So again, I believe that every follower can confidently share the gospel by remembering Jesus' compassion, not only for the lost sheep, but for us as he invites us to share the gospel. And then I think we get to witness more of what it looks like when we follow Jesus into this impossible task, right? So the next section goes, taking these five loaves and two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people, and he divided the two, he also divided two fish among the people. So here, we have a display of Jesus' power, right? That the miracle isn't that the disciples found these two loaves, 
but actually that Jesus is able to take these two, um, these five loaves and two fish, and he multiplies it. Right? The disciples ultimately are not responsible for making that happen. And so I believe that when, even when we're people or when we're faithful in sharing the gospel, we need to remember that it's Jesus' power at work through us and in the other person, not us manufacturing power, not us having the, <clears throat> the right answers or enough persuasion to convince someone to follow Jesus, but actually it's a miracle, right? It's miraculous that anyone's heart changes. It's a miraculous that your own heart has ever changed or experiences change, right? So we need to remember that the work of evangelism isn't just about having all the right answers, skills, and tools, but actually it's a work that we need to, pow- we need to partner with Jesus and his power and what he's able to do in people's hearts, right? He's the only one that can change someone's heart. And then the last thing, we see that Jesus, he gets the disciples, right? They're still in on this process. They go and they distribute the food, right? They work together. Um, they figure out logistically that among the 12, like, how do we distribute these, this food among the people? They probably enlist even more people to help and distribute food, like 5,000 Men are listed in the story, but probably there are women and children in the story as well. So maybe even more than 5,000. And so I believe that the last thing that I want us to remember is that every follower can confidently share the gospel by remembering Jesus' community. The community that he's given us is also a great gift for us in being evangelists, in sharing the gospel. Um, like if we, I think one of the greatest, or one of the things I see a lot in college is like just the desire to be alone a lot of times. I think sometimes it's, you know, whether it's because they feel like they're enabled to connect in other ways, like through technology or, or you know, these other things. But really like following Jesus is meant to be in community. All of our disciplines, spiritual disciplines are meant to be with one another, Right. And so I think even as we are people that are getting to the point and growing and longing to share the gospel with others, it, it isn't a lone wolf type of thing. It isn't, we're just going to send Pastor Joe to, to do the evangelism, right? It's actually, we're going to work together. We're going to share our stories. We're going to pray for one another and ask for Jesus to give us what we need uh, in order to share the gospel with those around us. So you have a real blessing here. Um, uh, at Han Vision, right? To, to have one another, to lean onto one another and to share your stories and to trust one another with even the people that are lost around us. Um, that's what I really want to invite us into. And so for even me and my story, like I wouldn't say I came onto InterVarsity staff as a super evangelist. Uh, it wasn't, it was some things that I did in college. Like I remember inviting my friends to Bible study regularly, I'd talk about Jesus, but I, I wasn't always like keen on it. I just felt like I had to do it sometimes. It was like kind of fake it till you make it. But then once I'm on staff, I, I started growing in this deeper understanding of how life-changing it is. So I, um, you can show the next slide. So early on, I'm given the task to start a new community for Asian American uh, students at UNC. And between my wife and I, and her name's Angela. She's the president of the Asian Student Association. And so I'm starting a new group, and in my mind, I, I need to make connections. I need to find more Asians on campus. And so I, um, yeah, I meet her, and she's really nice. She, 
lets me make announcements at their general body meeting. Um, but I really felt like the Lord was, was inviting me to not just look at her as someone that could help make a connection, but actually she was someone that is in need of God's compassion as well, right? And so um, after the first meeting, she was like, did you meet anyone? I was like, yeah, I, met a, I got a couple of names. I thanked her, and I, I was, like, just ready to, to, like, leave, you know, and, like, follow up with those people. But then I just really felt like the Lord was inviting me to say, to ask her about, like, what's her condition? Where is she at spiritually? Did she grow up in church? What's her background? Um, and she said, like, well, I'm not really a Christian, or I'm not a Christian. I didn't grow up in church. Um, and then I asked her, well, are you interested in exploring? And she was like, yeah, maybe. And then I was like, okay, like, let's, let's get coffee, right? Like, let's talk more. Um, and then the next time we get coffee, I'm, I'm just, like, understanding more of her spiritual history. And granted, like, I, I don't know her that well. Like, really, we've, I, I just made contact with her. I know very little of her story. But eventually, I get to a point where, like, hey, can I just share, like, what does it mean for me to follow Jesus? And, like, I do it. And then I was like, you know, I feel this, like, within me. It's like, you should ask her if she wants to follow Jesus, too. And I'm like, so, like, the, would you want to follow, like, Jesus? And she's like, yeah, I think I would. And I'm like, this isn't, <laughs> this isn't how it works, right? <laughs> like, this is, like, I, so I think it's, this, is, this hasn't happened again, to be honest, right? This is the one time that I've experienced this. But I think it's one of those things that I was just surprised by. I'm experiencing all these things, right? I'm experiencing Jesus' compassion for Angela. I'm experiencing also like the miraculous, Jesus' power. Because I don't, I don't know what's been going on in her story for the past you know, 20 years. I don't know what's led her up to this point. And in my mind, I already counted her out as like, she doesn't, she's not interested in this, right? She's, um, she goes to UNC, she's out of state student, so she's smarter than me. Um, she's the president of, uh, she's the president of like a pretty big and influential club at, at the school. Like she seems really successful, smart. She's prettier than me, <laughs> like all these things. Like she, does she really need Jesus? Like that was my, the question that I was asking the whole time. Um, but I think at the end, it's the reality is that Jesus knows like who his lost sheep are, right? So that's where I experienced these two things. And then actually through her, I got connected. Later on, I'm, I'm moving to a different school. I meet Ting Ting, who's also the president of ASA at a, another school at Duke. And um, like, it's just like Jesus community, right? Jesus through Angela, she connected me to Ting Ting, who's also a person asking questions about faith. Um, but our interaction is actually like months of meetings and asking questions. And, um, but also, at the same time, there's a community of students around her demonstrating what Christ's love is like, right? And I think that's, that's the image I feel like I want us to hold on to as, as an Asian American church, uh, Korean church. Like, your community can really be the, the place where people are walking together and sharing who Jesus is as well, right? Um, so I, I look at this picture and it reminds me of these three things every time. Like, yes, Jesus' is <clears throat> Jesus's compassion on the lost sheep. Jesus' power, right? He's the one that brings about change and conversion and yeses to him, right? 
and the power of his community. And even like, so this was uh, like four years ago, something like that. They're in New York now. They were or they were in New York then, but they, uh, Ting Ting was telling me about inviting her friends to go to church with her. And I'm like, like what? Like you're, you are like, it's says, I just think about what I would have missed out on. And I wonder what, if you ever feel like you're missing out on something and, and witnessing God's power uh, and really seeing change in someone else's life. Maybe we think about our own lives and we get stuck, we get in a rut because we don't have places where we need to take risks and really trust in God's power and to really trust in what he's doing, right? Because we play it safe. Like there's a lot of safe places in church and in Christian community, but really our interaction with the outside world, again, it's the place where things get messy, that they, they don't quite mesh all the time. But I think it's also a place where we can really grow deeper in our faith. Right? Stories like this are why I'm still doing this after <laughs> 11 years, right? And, and mostly loving it, um, although pastors and stuff get tired. So give us, have grace for us. Um, and so I want to really challenge us. Like, what is our next step, right? What can you do? Um, if you want to get the, my question, yes. Yeah, what is your next step? What can you do? So I don't know if I have enough of these slips for everyone. <laughs> Hopefully I do. Oh, you made more? Oh, nice. Um, but I... <sighs> I will, I will tell a story, and then we'll, we'll go to the story real quick, yeah. Um, so over Thanksgiving, um, Vanya and her family, we did, and her cousin, we did like a trip to Disney World, like Thanksgiving with, with um, some of his friends. And he's from, the guy in Orange is Vanya's cousin. He's from Australia. And he brought some friends with him. And uh, yeah, like we're, we like hung out for a whole week together, basically. We hit all the parks, went to Universal. And when you go to like theme parks with people that you don't know, the thing is like you become friends really quickly because you have hours and hours in line and you just have to talk to each other. Like you can only be on your phone so much before you go insane. So, you know, I get to know Harry, who is um, above the girl in white. Um, and Harry, uh, not a Christian, um, of course, like one of the first things you always ask people is like, what do you do? And I think it's always, for me, one of the things I, I like to answer the least because I'm always worried they don't understand what I do or it's like too complicated. I mean, I know that like, um, yeah, other church people understand this. But he ends up being really interested. Like I talk about how I talk to young people about who Jesus is and I invite them to follow and I create communities. That's what I long to do. He ends up being responsive and asks a lot of questions. And I could just really feel like the Lord was leading me to like, yeah, just, hey, share more. Don't, don't be afraid. Ask him questions about his, his history. Ask him questions about his thoughts on who Jesus is. So we're spending all this time together. And, and you know, actually every day I'm waking up and I'm, I'm praying for him. I'm praying for our time together that, like, not only will we, like, you know, have a good time at the parks, but that I would have good conversations with him, right? That I would know, like, and, and sense, like, the Spirit's leading in our interactions day to day. Um, but what ended up happening was that at the very end, I, I, I just really didn't get a chance to, to like, give him an opportunity to respond, right? Like, I just ran out of time. Uh, things didn't go as I planned. And 
all I can do now um, is hope and pray. Um, pray for Harry that he would know Jesus, that other Christians would be also pursuing him, and to trust that Jesus is pursuing him as well. Um, and so that's what I want to invite us into, um, is to, I want to challenge us, like what if our next step was to pray? So here you guys have, um, it's called a two plus prayer card. Um, so on one side, this side, um, this is just a easy way that we talk about like how to share faith, right? So sometimes we think about sharing the gospel as just knowing like how to share it, but really we need to learn how to contextualize it. We need to actually like know it <laughs> within our heads. Um, but I think also we need to be sensitive to where our friends are at, right? Because um, some of the people that we're witnessing to, maybe they grew up in church and they left it, right? So the way we approach our conversation with them will change. And so um, this thing on the back is called the five thresholds. And basically it's a way for us to do a diagnostic on the people around us and say like, man, what is, what is it that they need? What are the questions that I can be doing? Or what are the ways that I can be helping them along in their journey to knowing Jesus, right? Um, and so for each one, once you have a sense of like, oh, my friend is really, he's really open. He talks about his spiritual needs. Um, then I know maybe I can ask them how they want to grow, right? And then I can also pray with them as well. I, I, use, this, um, I use this all the time. It's really helpful to have an understanding of more than like, I just need to throw the gospel at them and let them respond. Because that's not always what people are needing as they experience and begin to follow Jesus. So that's the back. And then the other side um, is uh, sort of these steps. So the first one is doing a, a, a map. So it's just seeing like who are the people we're connected to, right? So you might think of like your friend group at school, right? Who are your closest friends? And who are the ones that don't know Jesus in that, within that group? Or maybe you're part of a club at school, or maybe even at your work, you're part of some other social group, right? Who are the ones that don't know Jesus that you're connected to? The next one is deciding or, you know, picking two, who are two people that I want to commit to praying for, right? That being the first step to praying for regularly. Um, and then the next part is discerning, like, which point are they at, are they at in the journey? And the last part is making a commitment to, to see them to know Jesus, right? So if I were to do this for Harry, right, um, I've already built trust with Harry. Um, he's curious, but I don't know that he's open, right? So I need to continue to, like, um, well, I, he lives in Australia. So I, over WhatsApp, I can still ask him questions, though. And hopefully when I see him again, maybe the Lord is doing something else in his life. Um, but I need to continue to, to ask questions to get at, help him to become more curious and more open to change, right? So this is just a simple tool that, I want to give you guys, um, like, because I feel like the first part I'm talking about, like, what are the spiritual barriers that we need to overcome and the, the realities we need to, like, believe in? Um, sometimes some, for some of us, we're looking for really practical things. And I think if we can commit to praying for a non-Christian friend, I'm, I'm such a believer that the Lord will move. Like, whether it's in us or in them, like, we can't help but when we pray for people to love them more. Uh, and I hope that that's true. But, like... I, mean, I hope that's true for you as well, but like, it's hard to not like, long um, for them to, to really know who Jesus is when we pray for them. And so 
actually want to help you guys, like if you're, whether you know already, um, just to hear from Jesus in, a, in this time um, and to do a little bit of listening prayer. And um, yeah, so I just want to invite you guys to stand. Yeah, stand, yeah. And I invite you guys to close your eyes, be comfortable. Yeah. I'm going to pray for us, and then I'm going to ask you guys to, like, just listen for what the Lord has to say. So I'm going to invite you guys to picture some things in your mind. And if it's weird or different, this is not a pressure moment. You don't have to have some deep epiphany here. But really, I just want to, um, yeah, create space for the Lord to speak to each one of us. So I want you to even just pay attention, like, how are you feeling um, There are things in your mind that feel distracting, Uh, even just a picture like a stream that you can place those things in the water and let them float away. So maybe there's like a test coming up or maybe you're really hungry. So (laughs) let's let that thought pass for the moment and just be present and aware of ourselves. Yeah, so Holy Spirit, we just really invite you into this place and to fill this place with your presence where we know uh, that you are with us. And would you use, um, use whatever way you see fit to speak to us, Lord? So I want you to picture yourself sitting in the green gr- grass in this story. Uh, maybe it's a, it's a nice day. You're sitting in the green grass The sun is shining on you. There's a nice, cool breeze. So picture yourself there and just continue to to settle yourself. And as you sit there, you notice in the distance that there's someone approaching you. And there's someone that's coming closer and closer And as they get closer, you notice and you see that Jesus is coming to sit with you. And so how do you feel seeing Jesus in the distance coming towards you? What does he look like? What is he wearing? And then he comes and he sits in front of you. And I want you just to take a minute and look at him. Maybe he's greeted you, he's put his arm around you. And how does it feel to sit with Jesus in this time? And as you sit with Jesus, you, you begin to notice like there's actually like a lot of people around you like on the, on the hillsides or just even behind you, behind Jesus. You see all these faces, and, and Jesus says, here are my lost sheep. And you look out on these faces, and I want you just to, to look and see, are there any people that you recognize in this place, like on this hillside?
maybe you see people that are, you know, you see in your everyday life. You see your your coworkers or your friends that don't know Jesus. You see your classmates. Maybe you see your best friend. You see a relative. And Jesus invites you to feed his sheep, right? He invites you to share the gospel with these people. What, what emotions come up? How does it feel? Maybe you have some fears that are coming up. That's okay, too. Or you have questions. I actually want you to like picture like in your hands like each one of those questions or barriers or things that might hold you back from sharing the gospel with them as like little rocks piling up in your hands. So maybe one fear you have is like I don't I don't think I have all the answers, or maybe you're not sure that um, maybe you just have doubts about Jesus and His goodness towards Him. Maybe you don't have enough love for this person. And then you see these, these rocks pile up in your hand. I want you to even notice the weight of them. And um, I want you to look at Jesus. He wants to take these burdens away. He wants to take these obstacles away from you, these fears you have, these questions you have. When you feel ready, I want you just to imagine yourself handing them to Jesus. Hand over the questions you have. Hand over the worries that you might have. Hand over the fears that might hold you back from sharing your faith with these two people. And as you hand it over, I want you to even notice, like, how does Jesus receive that from you? How does he receive your, these rocks that you've been holding onto or these barriers? What's his expression towards you? And if you're able to hand these things over to Jesus, I want you to just picture that Jesus, he takes these things and then he leans over to you. And he just wants to speak a word of encouragement as you've given up these fears uh, as you, and these burdens and these questions over to Jesus. Um, and he just wants to speak a word of encouragement just as a way to, uh, to remind you uh, that he's called you to share the good news with these people. So just, yeah, picture Jesus leaning in close to your ear and he whispers one word to you. What's that one word? So Jesus, we, we thank you for speaking to us. Lord, we thank you for bringing to mind people that you've inviting, you're inviting us to love. And Lord, we thank you that you meet us in our fears, in our anxieties about sharing our faith, about um, doing the work of evangelism. And we pray that you would be shaping and molding us into people that are longing to see transformation 
in the lives of people around us. So Lord God, would you extend our faith that even if we don't always, won't see the fruit of our planted seeds, that we would have assurance that every inch of soil overturned will lead to a harvest someday, Lord. So we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. You can take a seat. So, so I, I want to encourage you guys. Um, uh, I have another coworker coming in about a month and uh, to also continue to share about evangelism. And I want you to be able to even, like, I want her when she listens to the testimony time to be like, this is the step I took. I grabbed coffee with this friend. Or, you know, I want her to be able to, like, I enjoyed your testimony time a lot. I don't want to dictate everything. But just that, like, it's also a time where you're testifying, like, I'm taking risks, right? And that we're affirming that in each other, and we're longing to see more of that. For listening to the Han Vision Podcast, we hope you were blessed. Join us next week on Han Vision.